Jiménez mejor. Jiménez mejor. Jiménez mejor. Él es un grande jugador. Él es un chico mexicano. Él es un chico mexicano. Él es un chico mexicano en el Feyenoord Rotterdam. Oh, hey, Dennis the Closet looks different. <laughs> yeah. That, that wasn't Dennis the Closet? No, that was not, that Dennis, was the not Dennis the Closet. No, no. Or uh, a relative of, of Dennis right, the Closet. Right, but they made up a nice little song for yeah. Santi Jimenez, who's well, absolutely crushing it right now. We will have a discussion about him potentially being the best Mexican of the moment later on in the show. But potentially. Mao, how you doing, my man? I'm doing okay. Uh, I had a great weekend. I watched tons did. of soccer. <laughs> and I'm ready to talk about it. Yes, we'll talk Mexican soccer as well. Mexican stars. Um, we're going to have... Hey, we're going to have to talk about your Tigres. What happened there playing Chivas? Chivas Does the Giant? Does that game say more I'm about... I'm just going to say something. Chivas the Giant Killer. Oh, I, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Played twice in Monterrey this season. Six points, not bad at all. Also, yes, talking about Mexican players, we will discuss who is the best number nine right now available for the U.S. men's national team. We have someone who played actually in that spot. Talk about, and he'll bring a ranking for us. Make sure to download the Football Americas podcast, whatever you get your podcast, and you forgot to say hi to Seb. And I'm not gonna let that. I'm not gonna Except let that parental slip. leave. I'm not you gonna leave, let that slip. Leave him be. Let him do his. his he's thing. watching. You know he's Baby watching. Baby Rafa, right now. You know he's watching. He's got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> we, he knows we love him. Uh, so shout out to the whole family watching over there. Hey, um, I would love to bring you some MLS highlights to start the show. Oh. As for now, I'm just gonna say we cannot do that. But however. Still, still negotiating the rights. We will talk, we will talk on, some Major League go. Soccer. The uh, 28th season of Major League Soccer kicked off this weekend. 13 games scheduled for the weekend. 12 were played. Big news out of Los Angeles. The Derby, I don't like calling it El Trafico, you know this. The Derby was postponed due to inclement weather in Pasadena area. The game was going to be played at the Rose Bowl. They made a huge deal about it. You can see... The image is right there. It was actually going to be impossible to play and also well, a very poor experience for the fans. Well, you forget about playing because you can do that. It's the rain, whatever. It's the experience for the fans and the safety. There is no shelter, so in case of thunderstorms, there, there'd be nowhere for the, uh, the fans to go. And also, if you've ever been to the Rose Bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. parking is a nightmare. It's I was once there, Mexico versus Cuba, Gold Cup, where Uriel Antuna as a Galaxy player yeah. uh, scored three goals at a hat-trick game. From the parking to the door, to the stadium door, it was an hour it's a miserable miserable experience uh if if conditions aren't almost perfect it's not one of those stadiums where you can just come in and out of uh, with the residential area so 100 the right decision it does however put a damper uh, on what would have been an epic Absolutely. opening weekend for major league soccer and apple tv you know this very well the league really hyped this game right and for good reason for a great I mean, reason it already had 70,000 plus sold. 70,000 plus sold already And, and, and you want the fan to have that experience at, inside course. the stadium, of course, but also on TV. This was the first weekend for the new broadcasting partners, Apple TV. A lot of familiar faces, a lot of good friends. Uh, and again, we wish them well. They did a, a very, very solid job. But what was your first impression of Major League Soccer's season pass watching the action over the weekend? So let me start off by saying doing TV is incredibly hard. What you and I do is actually the easy part. Well, yeah, no, it, I'm, I'm, it, it I'm is. There, there are a lot of incredibly talented and hardworking yeah. people behind the camera who try their best to make things work. Uh, what I will say is the picture looked amazing. Yes. That's one of the things we're going to get. 1080, I'll yes. take it every day. 8K, whatever you want. It, it, look, it looked great. Um, I love that the fact that they're trying to create so much content around the actual product. That is something that fans have been aching for. That is something that we try to do here every time we do anything. They're trying to recreate that experience. I, I love that. You can see there our ex-colleague Taylor Twelman, how much fun they're having. A, a few things. It's a brand new product. Yep. With people who maybe aren't as 
versed in it. So there will be some road bumps and that's expected, that's fine. I thought it was nothing too crazy. Things that they can get better in, they will get better in as far as their shows surrounding and what they do and focusing more on the game. That stuff's gonna get better, I have no doubt. There are some really talented people that are finally getting a, a chance to showcase and platform themselves with this experience, so I'm very happy for them. Uh, and, and let me just finish by saying, people are always gonna find something to complain about. Mm -hmm. That's what they'll do, especially online. It's very easy to type away and think mm -hmm. you've, hey, I said my piece. Very easy. It's very hard to put out an experience that people want to watch and I think they're heading in the right direction. So we got a chance to call MLS games together, yes. for, several, uh, together for several years and we all know it is not easy. It requires a lot of effort by a lot of people. So the first thing that I would say is the product was just fine. That was, it, was, it was good because they have people that know the league, that, that have broadcasted the yeah. league before. There's some bugs they that, knew. that have nothing to do with like fine. So, subtitles some, some technical audio issues. issues technicals. Exactly. It's bound to happen. Doesn't mean you should excuse it, but this is day one. Listen, Rome guys. wasn't built in a day. We, we do TV. We are very, very lucky to do what we do, right? It is a privilege to do what we do. And when you work in this business for so many years, for whatever many years, you've, you've been here for like what, four years or five years already with ESPN. Six, going Six. On seven. All right, this is going to be my 17th <laughs> year at ESPN. Yeah. So whenever we're watching, we can, we can tell, right? Oh, like a uh, black spot or the audio was... Or the bug or the Listen, subtitle here. I love the, the fact there. that you have people that love the league broadcasting the league. Yes. That know the league Here, really well. Here's, to me, that was huge because they know how to... I, I don't know if the right word is promote because it's not your job to promote that's that's what league, i was gonna get if but I, just to be respectful of the product that's, that's what i was going to get to if i had to nitpick at anything is that um this is a league creating a network yeah. apple yeah, gives you much. the platform mls is is paying the talent mls is paying for the production apple's the platform so we got to give it a chance, but let's not fall into this trap where we're promoting the league so much that we're selling it. They're there because they want to see it. They're not there necessarily because they want to buy a jersey or, or have to be reminded of where to get this jersey or commercials um, when we talk about the, you know, the red zone yeah. type yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to get better. That's what I will say, and, and I will repeat. Rome was not built in a day. Now, I have just one more thing to say. And you know what I come from with, with this, with this uh, thing that I'm about to share. Uh, the set in English, slick, nice, right. clean, beautiful. Now, for my guy, Tony Kerki, who I love. I grew up in this business with Melissa Tony Kerki. Ortiz, we've got and right Diego, Valeri, Diego Valeri, who's returning to, 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 to the U.S. after spending one final Lanús. year in Lanús in Argentina. They did a great job. I thought the set looked quite smaller than the one in English. And I just want to put it out there. I'm not saying it's wrong, it's fine. Listen, I work for ESPN. Uh, ESPN does a great job creating opportunities for ESPN in English, ESPN Deportes in Spanish, right? Sometimes those, those things happen, but I heard from people. I heard from people saying, why is a, why is a set in Spanish a little smaller? Hmm. I'm like, well, welcome to the business. It's just, it is what it is. Not a big deal. Well, it, it's not a big deal. It could have been worse. I just want, I just wanted to put it, it on. It could have been worse. It could have been way it worse. It could have been yeah. like a set we saw from our friends at Fox. Now, I'm not saying it's, how can I put this? I, I saw a lot online referencing to Fox and what they weren't doing. Yeah. What, what people don't realize is uh, MLS is paying for the production. Okay of Apple. So the talent that you see, the set that they have, that's all MLS. But MLS is also paying for the production of right, Fox. Right, 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 right. And Leader they partner. supply a big studio with the bells and whistles. They are making Fox go to Florida with a company called Vista, who actually does production for US Open Cup games. So Stu Holden, John Strong, this game is on MLS's dime, and it's being simulcast at the same time. So MLS is saying, well, we're not going to spend money here because we're already doing it here for the same game. So you can sit here and criticize Fox and listen to each his own. But this is Major League Soccer paying for it. So if you want a linear experience, that's what Major League Soccer just paid for. Yeah. Again, week number one, in the end, to me, the thing that truly matters is 
The people broadcasting did an amazing game. The other, I mean, the other are just like yes. subtle things that are not the most important. And I know the fan experience is just going to get better and, I repeat, and better. The picture quality was awesome. Oh my God, yes. excellent, so good. All right, let's move on. Um, the Athletic conducted their uh, yearly survey among mm -hmm. executives around the league. Um, that, that's an anonymous uh, survey, right? And they asked for predictions. Who's going to be the better player? What team is going to do well? Which, which one is not going to do great? Underrated, the new rules. Et cetera, et cetera. And this is something that is very, very interesting regarding the supporters' shield. Philadelphia Union was the favorite in that category to win the title as well. Actually, they got 10 votes to win the title. And here's this quote about the Philadelphia Union. The thing is, they're not even that effing good. It kind of hurts me to pick them. All they do is kick the you-know-what out of you. They're always ready to play. That's great. That's good coaching, all that stuff. But they are not just great. They have a way of doing things and they're consistent. But it's not like the quality is amazing. So it hurts me to pick them, but they've kind of earned it. Again, this is part of the anonymous executive quote via The Athletic. Obviously, Jim Curtin had a response to this executive. Anonymous quotes are for cowards. People are very brave, very brave when they make anonymous quotes. Also via The Athletic. Shots fired, Herc? What do you make of Jim Curtin's reaction to this quote? On point and he's right. Now, I understand The Athletic doing the anonymous, I love it. It's great feedback. And it happens for, for many leagues. Right. And, and, and it's great that the execs take the chance of most underrated player, you know, who would be best as, as an executive later, or as a coach later. Those are great things. But this is a shot directly taken at the Philly Union for no apparent reason. This is, in my opinion, somebody in the East who gets to face the Philly <laughs> Union a lot. You You're think? Like, I'm tired of losing this to this team. It's not like the Philly Union just squeaked by and, and is this team that, kicks and claws its way to grind out points. Can I really quickly, this team literally, literally cleaned up on all the team awards. Yeah. Best goalkeeper, Andre Blake. Best defender, Jacob Glesnes. Oh, by the way, Kai Wagner was also nominated. Coach of the year, guess who? Jim Curtin. They also should have had two MVP nominees, Andre Blake and Gazdag. Our man Gazdag literally... Hani Mukhtar, who won league MVP, had one more goal, one more assist, and he wasn't even in the MVP conversation. So, and, and by the way, this isn't an on-the-field award, but Ale Badoya also won Humanitarian of the Year. I mean, they should, they literally cleaned up shop on yeah. the field and off the field, everything, whatever you want. Oh, and also the Supporters' Shield, which measures the best. It's awarded to the best regular season team. They lost to LAFC on goal differential. So you're not just talking about some team that squeaked by eighth into the playoffs and kicked the crap out of everybody and grinded out results. You're talking about a team that's dominated not only this season, but also last season that's consistent in what they do that produces stars, produces winners. Oh, and by the way, just got better, just got deeper, and now you've motivated them. All right, uh, Philadelphia Union, we saw the stats. Because the perception that this quote probably creates for someone who doesn't really watch the games, right? Or know much about the uh, Philadelphia Union. You're thinking, wow, this is, this is a tough team to play and they, and they just go out there and get you. This is, this is one of the greatest teams last season in terms of offensive stats. They, they were top five in every important offensive category. And that says a lot. Uh, if this executive doesn't like that style, that's fine. And I, by the way, that quote, if you put your name to it, it's totally fine. That's your, that. Oh, I think it's worse. Well, because makes you, it makes you look like you don't know well, the no. game. Well, no, because then you're like, oh, really, Mr. Executive, where did your team rank? Where I mean, did your team well, yeah, I get, and, and I get is, that part. And this is where I think I it get comes that in. This is an executive, this is my personal feeling, this could be an executive that's faced the Philly Union many times throughout yeah. the regular season and been on the losing side of this um, matchup. And this is why you are frustrated. But I, I can't for the life of me think of anybody who has anything bad to say about the Philly Union. They're fans. And I don't know Duke fans very well, but I'm talking about Philly fans in general. Uh -huh. Throw you know, oh, yeah. snowballs at Santa Claus. <laughs> I can see somebody saying I hate Philly fans. I don't think that's the case with yeah. Philly Union fans. But maybe. But everything Probably. else, like, Probably. how can you be mad at a team who 
doesn't uh, spend like the rest of the teams, but gets the most out of their players, unlike the majority of the teams. I'll finish by saying this. That part of the quote that says they're not great is absolutely wrong because this team is great. <laughs> They've been they're elite really for two years at it, least. It's one thing that you don't like. Them. That's fine. That's totally fine. But you cannot go out and say that they're not great because they are. Now, that was not the only Jim Cornyn quote that we will discuss here on Football Americas. He was asked about, you know, how different are Philly fans and Atlanta United fans. They're supposed to be one of the best fan bases in the country. This is what Jim had to say, and I quote, we are authentic. No knock on Atlanta, but if you check the driver's licenses at Atlanta United game, they're from all over the place because that's just the place to party. You got 50,000 people getting together to party. My dad sat next to, uh, sat next to a few and they were great people, but they were just like, we're SEC football guys and we're just here because we heard this is a great party, which by the way, it is. Our fans literally got one of our presidents fired. They are part of the growth. I'm proud of it. Our crowd is a real crowd and quote. Again, Herc, the question stands. Shots fired are this, uh, is this quote by Jim Curtin accurate? Is he taking like a bad shot at Atlanta fans? Oh, he's taking a shot at Atlanta and it's not the first time he's taking a shot at Atlanta. Um, a while ago, Gabriel Heinze, mm -hmm. uh, ex-Atlanta United coach, Argentine ex-international. Didn't last much, but okay. Yeah, had, had they had some choice words. And he had some choice words at the Atlanta organization. This is another. Now, there's nothing wrong with people wanting to come out and watch you because they think it's a great atmosphere, it's a good time. Newsflash, that's what big teams do. They attract casuals. They attract people who necessarily weren't fans of your product to begin with, but now can become future fans. You attract future generations. That's what big teams do. Atlanta is a big team. It's a huge market in Major League Soccer. It's a big team in what they've done. It's a big team in their aspirations. And they attract people who aren't necessarily soccer fans. That is a great thing. Yeah. Complaining about their fans not being as real as your fans because maybe your fans booed you or because maybe your fans got a president fired and got somebody else in place, that's, that's not something necessarily you can say is a great thing. You can say it's good that they care, but to compare it against Atlanta United and what they have, that, that's where he misses me with that. I love Jim Curtin. That's all I'm going to say to start my point right here. But I think that was lame. That was absolutely lame. Uncalled for. If there's a rivalry between organizations, Philly and Atlanta, that's totally fine. I'm, I'm here for it. I love rivalries. I love managers taking jabs at other managers or executives. That's totally fine. But you got to pick your battles because he could have picked so many other things about the Atlanta United as organization to go hard at, that they don't have their own stadium, that the turf is terrible. It caused a lot of sad, long-lasting injuries, that they have spent a lot of money in players and the results are not there. He could have picked whoa, whoa, a lot whoa, of different whoa. things, I, I, not the fans. Well, he knows exactly what he's going for. Uh, he's... he's, he's by no means a dummy. This of man is one not. of the most intelligent people in Major League Soccer. But what I'm trying to say, he knows exactly what he's doing. And if there's one model that's the exact opposite of Philly, exactly. it is Atlanta. Exactly. So he knows exactly. exactly where he's going with this. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's why I said it's just, just lame to go at the fans. Because, by the way, to your point, I think it speaks volumes of the fan base that it's just not the locals that go there. If the party is great, that's exactly what you want. That is a, as a league, right? As an entity. That is exactly that you want. That your product, even though the results are not great for Atlanta that, United, that's what I if the party is great and you have 50,000 people if, spending, spending $200 I of food and 60, beer. I believe it was 60,000 uh, this weekend in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, this weekend it was. Yeah, so, yeah. so think about this. With losing seasons that they've had after Tata Martino, yeah. they've been able to not only keep their fan base, but generate new fans with losing seasons, with poor results. And spending a lot of money on players. That, that speaks volumes of what they're doing right, and you should applaud that. All right, we'll stick to Atlanta United. Uh, Gonzalo Pineda is the manager, right? And he was asked about the differences between coaching in Liga MX and Major League Soccer. Now, granted, he's never been a manager or a coach in Mexican soccer. After he retired from 
uh, playing in Major League Soccer. He stayed at Seattle Sanders as an assistant and now is the head coach at Atlanta United. This is what he had to say to, to the N, quote, I don't think there are many young Mexican coaches getting the opportunity out there. I think their processes are cut off extremely quickly. Right now, we can see that it's barely week five, Liga MX, and already two coaches are out. That is not very common in Major League Soccer. Here, they give you time to work, and for a young coach, the short term kills you because they want you to be in the tough places in four games. In the United States, they are more medium and long-term processes, and in the end, that helps. That is Gonzalo Pineda, former Mexican national team player and the manager of Atlanta United. Does this probably make you think that he is attracting more Mexican managers to come and find opportunities in Major League Soccer? I think he's trying to advocate for the Mexican manager. I understand that part um, very quickly. I find it ironic that it's Gonzalo Pineda making this statement because if I were to pick a coach that's in the hot seat yeah, before yeah. the season started, it would be Gonzalo Pineda. And 90 minutes into his game, to that game, Atlanta United at home versus San Jose, they're down 1-0. He was exactly in that position on the hot seat and potentially Garpaga away. If it wasn't for Thiago Almada. Yeah, who, right? who came in and who wants to put his own imprint on this team will have to make a decision sooner rather than later about where they go and you could be in trouble. So I find that ironic is what he's saying wrong? Is it false? Not necessarily, but let's get to the reason of, or to the root of why there aren't more Mexican managers um, abroad, okay? Because Liga Mekis would be, a, a, MLS, excuse me, would be abroad to Liga Mekis. Mm -hmm. um, the ones who are in Liga Mekis haven't necessarily been doing well. Cesar, or, um, Eduardo Feitanes, with Santos, is having an off year. Benjamin Mora and Atlas. You can go down the list with Potro eh, Gutierrez, who just got yeah. fired at Cruz Azul. Jimmy Lozano, Jimmy Lozano. Fired Nicax, yeah. So there, there's a list of these coaches that haven't necessarily proven themselves. And then the ones who have proven themselves, well, they don't go abroad. The only one who's gone abroad is Javier eh, Aguirre. So, yes, I understand what he's saying. You have to advocate for them to have more chances, sure. But when they've gotten those chances, they've not necessarily produced. And when they've produced, these coaches don't want to go abroad. There are a select few who even mentioned Major League Soccer, Miguel Herrera being one of them. He did. Um, I'll see it two separate ways. Do I believe we will have more Mexican coaches interested in working in Major League Soccer? Yes, I believe so. And I believe Miguel Herrera is one of them. Maybe not right now because he's in Tijuana and he's in the bullpen in case things go south for Diego Coca at the... Uh, uh, Mexican national team. Uh, now, do I believe, and this is kind of a rhetorical question for you as well, do I believe Major League Soccer will be interested in hiring more Mexican coaches? I, I don't see that very, very clear. Like, who would, because Gonzalo Pineda is saying, hey, if you're not successful in Liga MX because they're not patient, then come here. Here you find patience. Well, it's not about patience. It's about productivity. And there's a, I mean, there's a reason why those fires were, those coaches were fired. Because they were not delivering results. Now, does that mean that they are bad coaches and just don't work anywhere? No. But there is an actual crisis of Mexican managers finding their place in their own league. What does it say? That Tuca Ferretti, at 68 years old, is the manager of Cruz Azul. What does it say about Victor Manuel Bucetich, is right now the manager of Tigres? That's it, Miguel Herrera, Cholos. Yeah. That's the list. It's a problem. So it's not about coaching in the Mexican League or finding an opportunity in Major League Soccer. It's asking the question. Well, those does are the Mexican soccer have, Does Mexican soccer have enough talented good coaches that they can fulfill both uh, spots in their own league and also export in different leagues? You the answer is no. You mentioned those three coaches. Those are, those are the successful uh, example of coaches. You've got two other coaches, Benjamin Mora Atlas and um, Feitanes at Santos, who are struggling at the moment. So uh, what he are you was saying? an interim manager. He and was, they, he was yes, an interim manager correct. for Pedro Caixinha. Exactly. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? 
It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ricardo Salinas Pliego. Last, last week we talked about him. He's the owner of Mazatlán, the third richest man in Mexico. And hey, he finally paid a visit to his team. That was a rare sight. Now, the team has lost at this point 12 games in a row. And he had an idea on how to motivate his players. La apuesta es, si pierden me van a dar dos carritos de golf, eso valen 30 mil dólares. Pero si ganan les voy a dar yo 300 mil. Yo. Right, he made a bet. Mazatlán hosting Pumas. Pumas, they hadn't won a team, a, a, a game away in the last 16. And it was also a moment for Rafael Puente to prove that he can coach. Speaking of Mexican managers, 22nd minute. Chances blocked for Gustavo del Prete. Osvaldo Alaniz with a good play, but it was all Pumas at this point. And again, Osvaldo Alaniz on the line, Herc. Yeah, save after save. Just when you thought Pumas was going to score, look at that Benedetti right there. He's probably been the most uh, impressive player no doubt. in Mazatlan over the course of the last two seasons. The only one who could really hurt you, and he's showing you why there. And things are going well for the players. They are getting $300,000 from their owner at this point. The goal was checked on VAR and then confirmed, but now we move on to the second half and we are leveled again. Eduardo Salvio from outside of the box is 1-0 and he goes and hugs his manager, Rafa Puente. Optional defending again right here. Optional defending, deflection, and guess who? Juan Dineno! Dineno with the 2-1. to one. Uh, 15 minutes. It's Pumas. They've won it. They've surely won it. And guess what, Mal? They oh! have it! 96 minutes! are not paying $30,000, but the goal is checked on VAR. It is disallowed. And it's another defeat for Mazatlan. Nine games played, nine games lost. It's not clear. We haven't heard from the players or Ricardo Salinas that to know if the players already actually paid the bet or not. Well, now, I saw a tweet from him saying, no, I like these two cards. So he's already got his cards picked out. All right, what do you think hurts right now the players most? Having to pay the actual money to their owner or that they actually lost the game? So think about this way. You, you mean like missing out on $300,000 or having to pay $30,000? That's a third option, yeah. Right? Missing out yeah, on 300000 right, Yeah. right. Um, Honestly, I think it's the embarrassment of having to pay the thirty thousand um, and losing this game. These footballers, who, by the way, Mazatlan is a beach town, is a resort town. Oh, amazing! I was they, just they there have a few an amazing back. life. A lot of these players get paid extremely well. When you divide three hundred thousand between, let's say, twenty-six to thirty players and the physios and maybe some of the uh, kit men and whatnot, it's not going to be a lot of money individually per player for them to change their outlook. And as a player, this team is terrible. They've not won. They've not been close to winning. They're a laughingstock in Liga MX. It's got to burn them more knowing that the world knows they have to pay $30,000 worth of golf carts to an owner who pretty much doesn't care, who's laughing at you, who had a chance to give you $300,000 that you could split 
amongst you and, and here you are losing this way. They've got to be tired of losing. That money's not going to change their life. They make a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, to me, I would think it's the pride. It's the ego that sings. Some of them, like for a team like Mazatlan, not every player makes a lot of money. There are like some some young guys that it's, are still finding their, 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 yeah, their grounds there. So many. So yeah. in the end, I, I don't think it's about the money. I think it's about the message. And I'll go first and I'll say, because I was not a professional player, I was not inside a locker room like that. But when I saw the video, I felt so bad for the players. And I felt bad for the manager. (laughs) No, even the video, like before the game, the way, because let's, let's get the story straight. Ricardo Salinas, the owner, this is the first game he has attended in the last 20 games of his team. It's not like he's there every game. It's a rich man, it's a lot of businesses to attend, and he doesn't have the time for that. But now it's becoming a thing where people are making fun of him and Mazatlan. And he said, wait, I don't like being made fun of. I'm gonna go over there and motivate them so that I'm not embarrassed. And by doing that, he embarrassed his players. And I think that's disgraceful because I saw the faces that were forced to be in that video. They were forced to accept that bit. What, what are they gonna say, not? No, we're not gonna take it, but that's just me. I have never been there before. You have. You have been a part of those locker rooms. You have been a part of those dynamics. Are you cool with it? Are you cool with the way the owner handled the situation? So, I've been in a situation where a club owner has come up to you and bet large sums of money. It's it's kind of a a weird situation to be in. Um, When I was at Santos, Alejandro Aragori used to be like, we're gonna win this game? And I'm like, yeah, hopefully we'll win this game. And like, let's bet. And I'm like, wait, you're gonna bet against your own team? And he's like, yeah, let's bet. And he would bet like 5,000, 10,000 at a time. And it's his way of motivating you. And you would win that. Um, and you, it was, that season, we won everything. We were these super leaders. We won the, the, the Clausura Championship. It was a good season for us. And you got extra money in your pocket. And you're like, this is great. But the anxiety of making this public, not to lose the money. But to feel like a fool in front of the world, that to me is what I'm not cool with. You could have motivated your players behind the doors, behind the doors in the dressing room. You could have motivated them in some other way. But when you do this for the world to see, it's almost like you're making fun of your players. Yes, exactly. Los exhibits. You're putting them out for the world to see that they've lost, they've failed, and now they're a laughing stock. That's what doesn't sit well with me. I don't, I don't think he even motivated his players. I think he even put more pressure on his players. Because had they won that game, right? It was like, oh, well, yeah, of course. The owner went downstairs, finally made an appearance. Oh, no, for money you'll finally win, for money you'll exactly. try hard. Oh, so yeah. you're winning for 300000 You'll try harder for, yes. Do you need this to happen every single game so you can actually win matches? So that's why... I, I mean, I feel bad for the players. They were, they were put in a very, very difficult situation. The manager, Roberto Marromano, who just got there, yeah. right? Three games ago, he's trying his best. The team's not great. They're, they're the, by, by far the worst team in the league. And you finally make an appearance to put more pressure on them? Great beach town, though. And the food, dude. The food in Mazatlan is probably the best. You, ha- you have a lot of fans there. Last time I went, a couple of we months ago. We used to go ago. to preseason all the time. Yeah, Santa, yeah, Santa, yeah, Santa no, no. Uh, Big game over the weekend. Tigres hosting Chivas. We thought Chivas are not for real, right? They cannot beat Tigres at El Volcan. Wrong. This is the way the game started. El Tiva Sepulveda with a deflection. And it's early in the game, Herc. And it's 1-0 for Chivas. Cisneros all alone. Tiba Sepulveda from that range is not going to miss. And then guess what? Oh! Nahuel Guzman, big save! But they were all over Tigres in this first half. Yeah, first half. Probably the first, the best 45 minutes for Chivas in the season under Paunovic. This is minute 34. And it's Ronaldo Cisneros, former Atlanta United player. Yeah, first goal of the season for the number nine, a goal and an assist early in the second half. And then, oh, Tigres will come back. A little deflection here. Wacho Jimenez! Been massive for Chivas. No Andre Pierre Gignac for Tigres. Quinones didn't start. Quinones didn't start. Big uh, deal. Uh, This is the 84th minute. Handball called by the ref, Nico Ibanez. 
convert from the spot, but it was too late. And surprise, surprise, Chivas played week one at Rayados de Monterrey, won that game 1-0, and now week number nine, they beat Tigres at El Volcán. So is it something, nothing, or everything that Chivas actually defeat both Monterrey teams playing as a visitor. Well, it's something, absolutely. You don't just beat number one and number two, respectively, in the tournament and not think it's something. By the way, you beat them in their place. You beat them at their house. And one and two, Monterrey and Tigres, are the new money teams in Liga MX, Los Nuevos Grandes. It's also two of the most luxurious teams in the Americas. That's not my opinion. That's not your opinion. That's just simple math. It's a luxurious roster. They invest a lot of money in those teams. So to beat those teams in the way you did, outlasting Monterrey in the first game, spectacular performance from Huacho Jimenez, to outperforming them in the first half in El Volcan, and then weathering the storm in the second half and picking up two very impressive away wins, this is something to hang your hat on. Absolutely. Yeah, it is something. Not everything because we know the bar is actually should be actually higher for Chivas than just winning two games big games important games just two two games very different scenarios well they're also sitting in fifth place right now. week number one great goal by, by Alexis Vega mm -hmm. Monterrey dominated that game Monterrey yeah. was all over Chivas it was an actual miracle that Chivas ended up winning that game but this game, at Tigres, at El Volcán, that was no fluke. That was actually a very good performance by Chivas. No Alexis Vega. No Alexis Vega. No JJ Macias. Right? No Cone Brizuela. Uh, you're playing with both Cisneros as starters. Mm -hmm. They started on the bench this season, right? And now Paunovic has had to play them, and they have played really well. I see something different with this Chivas than the former Chivas with Cadena or Marcelo Micheleano. It's not only commitment, right? Every professional player has to be committed. It's not that we have to celebrate that, but you see an idea. I see something on the field that makes me go, Alan Mosso knows what he's doing. Right. Chicote Calderon playing left back knows what he's doing. We didn't see that with other managers. So if we are comparing the numbers, especially the points, which in the end, Herc, it's all it matters, right? It's performance. The performance has been completely different from one season to another. So let me ask you, after you're seeing these numbers, Chivas, contenders, or still just pretenders? Still just pretenders. Let me tell you why pretenders. If we're looking at this graphic, the points look amazing. 18 points, uh, last point of the season, this same point last season, where were they at? Last time they were at this high, points-wise in a season, was a very successful season where they won their last championship against Tigres in that final. Same, They were about the same bar, right? Why are they pretenders? Uh, 14 of those points have come as playing as an away team. That means four of those points have only come playing at home. If you can't be a strong team at home, if you can't prove that you can be dominant at home, you're not going to do anything in Liga MX. At some point, that... Fortune is going to run dry or going to run out when it comes to playing away because you mentioned how they play against Monterrey and how it was a miracle they didn't lose that game against Monterrey. We could say the same thing about the majority of the games they've played. Uh, even Pumas towards the end, Pumas had them on the ropes. They probably could have tied that game. Uh, you could say that they had a very good first half against Tigres. Tigres, with all those missing players, still had them on the ropes in the second half. This is a team right now that's punching above their weight, but how long can they do it for? We've already said no Alexis Vega. What's that team going to look like right now when Alexis Vega comes back? Because one of the teams, one of the things, excuse me, that I most enjoy about this Chivas team is the intensity yeah. in which they play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a very intense team on both sides of the ball. So when you move a player or two, when you insert a player or two, how does that dynamic change? Right now, they're still pretenders. You have to win at home. And the next eight games, five of those are at home. If you handle those home games, Chivas isn't just a contender. Chivas is going in first four places, and they're going to be a real threat come uh, Ligia. I don't know about that. I wouldn't take it that far. Uh, they win those five home games? Of course. I will give to. them credit. The moment Victor Guzman signed with the team, Pocho Guzman, yeah. difference maker, big-time player. He's been amazing all over the field. Probably looking even better 
than how he looked when he was playing for Pachuca. So he's been a big factor. Now, the rest of the squad, not sure. Next games, hosting Santos. Now they have to win that game, okay? Yeah. So we are amazed that they went on and, and, and beat both, both Regio teams. Fantastic. Now you have to win the games that you are supposed to win. And that's Santos coming up, then Puebla. Who they struggle with all the time. And then... America. El Clásico Nacional. Well, there's two straight Clásicos, I believe. Atl At America Nacional. Yes, but there's uh, the international break in between. Yes. So, for Chivas, that's going to be it. How do you play America then? If they keep winning and they beat America, then we have to take them as contenders. Monterrey still leading after nine games in Liga MX. Toluca! Toluca City is back, or how do you call it, TSG? TSG. TSG. Uh, Tigres, Chivas, both 18 points. America with a draw against Atlas at 17 points. Toluca is actually my pick for a uh, champion. Well done, sir. Well done. Mine was American. They're looking good as well. Speaking of 17, the under-17 CONCACAF tournaments coming to an end. The final, Mexico against USA. Stefano Carrillo will come from the spot after being fouled inside the box. He's a great player. He's a Santos player. He's a great finisher. Top scorer for Mexico. Look at him go. That was a 1-0. And now at the 29th minute, good save by the American keeper. Yeah, it's not the hardest of shots. And then look, second half, we must have missed a lot of highlights here. Second half, good little flick right there, back post. Right when you thought the U.S. team was uh, taking over because yep. they dominated the majority of play, uh, especially possession-wise, it's Mexico and the way they went about it. But then, oh, good all right there. One of the stronger players for the U.S. Uh, youth national team having his way. And then finally, the U.S. goal comes about with the set piece. Pedro Soma with the header, changing direction. It's 2-1 to one for Mexico. Time for the U.S. team to come back in this game to find the equalizer that we're gonna have a chance in the 70th minute, but another good save by the Mexican keeper. And then look at this. Foul, clarísimo. Does a good job of dragging, keeper commits, gets red carded, second yellow. And then this was uh, pretty much a dagger right there. Very good job from the Mexican national team and the way yeah. they play this US being, uh, youth national team, excuse me. Isaac Martinez, that's the captain of the team. He plays for Chivas. He's a holding midfielder for the squad. And Mexico wins the tournament for the fifth year in a row. 2021 edition was canceled due to the pandemic. But we keep talking about the Mexican teams, uh, under 17s, under 20, being maybe the bright light in what it is right now, a very dark time for Mexican soccer. How important do you think this victory was for Mexican soccer as such after everything we've discussed uh, in terms of result of late. Yeah, you mean the just there's a long list of the, the yes. under 20, the Olympic, the women, Nations League, uh, yes, senior squad, all that. Um, for fans, this is this is huge. Uh, for the players in this tournament, it's huge. For for maybe some people out there who care very much about the youth setup, this is great for the morale. Um, you and I are very much in this. We work the Portes every single day. Uh, this has been a snippet for, for the Mexican media. Yeah, it, it, it barely made news. It, 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 which really surprised me, but you always say something that I think is, is very valuable when we talk about like cup games, right? It's something that gives you very little. But if you lose it, if you lose it, people are going to know. Yeah. That, that's when people are going to come at you. And I think it's the, it's the same thing. Now, if we were doing like a something, you know, nothing or everything type of deal with with this the fifth time they won it five straight yeah the, mexico is a six of the last seven power when it comes to youth football that's what they are there's no two ways about it uh both teams were already qualified yes it is a clasico they want to win but i was very surprised at the way they won uh, the u.s very much so dominated possession you couldn't see that in the highlights but they had lots of chances uh, Mexico was content on sitting back. 68% possession yes. for the U.S. Yes, sitting back in their two lines, their two blocks, and were very good in, in absorbing, very good in, in using transition moments. And they beat the U.S. the way the U.S. has historically beaten Mexico. When they've beaten Mexico <laughs> at all levels, it's been that way. Defensively come back. Yes, transition. Let's get some set-piece goals if we can. 
Mexico did it playing differently. And to me, that is very valuable. This team, so good defensively, gave up two goals all tournament. A lot to be said with them changing. Now, will it be accepted going forward at the senior level if this is the way? Uh, that would be interesting. I never, ever worry about the under-17s for Mexico. Right. They're always great. Right. They're always good. And I was checking the list of the players and the teams that they have played at. None of this player has ever played a single minute in the first division, which is fine, right? They're all right. 15, 16, 17 years old. But now I want to see what happens with this very team That's it right in there, the next right? couple of years. How do they graduate? Are they going to get any yeah. chances? I was looking at Carrillo, the goal scorer, right? Is he going to be able to play above who? Right El Mudo Aguirre, right? Yeah. The foreign players? Yeah. Not sure. Um, Chivas has three very good players in this squad. We keep asking, why is Chivas spending a lot of money trying to attract already consolidated, experienced players when they can actually go back and look at their youth system? Right. Right? So, not concerned at all. It's good that they won. Yeah, it is. It has to be a little something, right? It's yeah, good. Especially it's good that you, you create culture and you win and you make a habit of winning. Especially when you go back and look at the two rosters that have won a U-17 World Cup. Um, that first U-17 roster was probably the biggest, I would say, proponent to, you say, those players became stars. The Giovanni yeah. Dos Santos, the Carlos Velas, even the players who didn't go on. Chicharito Hernandez, who missed out in that World Cup, became a star. You look at the second set, you're talking about Pollo Briseño, you're talking about Spiricueta, you're talking about Julio Gomez, you're talking about Richard Sanchez. Yeah. There's a big difference. Now, how do you get them to graduate like the first team did? That is, that is the bigger question. I mean, what's going to happen with these players moving forward? Under 17, I mean, top class. Yeah. All the time. We'll see how that happens moving on. Let's go talk about American players. And two of them faced each other over the weekend. Darrell DK with Westrum. And he scored not only once, Herc, but twice on Zach Steffen. Oh, his first brace with the team. Yeah, it got put in a very difficult position there, Zach Steffen. Darrell DK continuing his uh, good run of form. And then the second goal over here, good combination play. Left foot off, Stefan. Maybe he could have mm -hmm. reacted better. It went off his foot right back into the path of Daryl Dika. This is a good third man running here. Good touch. Left foot into the goalkeeper. Comes off his leg and an easy uh, follow back for Daryl Dika. Fifth goal of the season for Daryl Dika. Uh, Zach Stefan on loan from Manchester City has been a regular uh, in goal for, for Middlesbrough. Let's run it back. Ricardo Pepe, man, is on fire. Ninth goal of the season for Groningen, scoring in back-to-back -back games. Yeah, and he looks confident. Look at this, taking it off the right, cutting the player back. 20-year-old right there. Just as calm as you like. Cool, collected, picks up the number nine for the number nine. What a season for him. Established starter for Groningen. Groningen still fighting relegation. That's a reality for the team. But if you, can, if you compare what happened to Ricardo Pepe in Germany, what he's doing right now, not bad at all. He has nine goals so far, two behind four players who are leading the Golden Boot race in the Eredivisie. Santi Jimenez, we'll talk about it a little later, also scored, he has six. All right, this is a good moment to check on a topic that we discussed a lot before and during the World Cup, right? The number nine spot in the U.S. men's national team. So what better than to have a former U.S. men's national team number nine? Do you used to play wearing the number uh, nine number or not? Hey, what better, was your number? You better ask. That was your, I, oh, yeah, was my I, I have a jersey with the, your name and number. All right. All right. Go um, to the list. A lot of <laughs> Give us your top three names right now. Strikers for the U.S. men's national team. This From was, three to one. This was both difficult and hard. Okay? I'm going to put it that way. All right, let's go number three. I'm gonna Production, please, can we get my man, Daryl Diga? I believe he's FIFA's strongest man now, uh, if you're going by that. Is it it's still FIFA? I don't know what the game it's is It's still called. FIFA, yeah. Daryl Diga, uh, 22 today. years old. This is not just regency, recency bias, excuse me. I know he scored two goals uh, as of late. He's been back on the field. He's been healthy. He's been productive. Look at his importance to West Brom. This is a player that when he starts, West Brom, this year, they've only lost twice. Yep. He, he's very important to their quest of promotion, and he's got a different skill set that you don't see in the U.S. men's national team pool. I'm not just talking about the strength 
I'm talking about the willingness to put his body into certain situations and finish off. And yes, the strength helps. All right, number two. Ricardo Pepe. He's 20 years old. He's only played 18 games and he's already got nine goals. He's also got one other goal uh, in cup play, but you're talking about a player right now who comes in late into the season and is already fighting for the golden boot. He's two off from tying the golden boot, three goals from actually being in the lead in the golden boot race, firmly in that battle. And when I talk about hunger, I'm talking about him being chip on the shoulder. I can't believe I didn't make the World Cup. He's coming into his own. His bounce back has been amazing. Amazing. Number one, and maybe it's a surprise to some people, but it really shouldn't be. Josh Sargent continues to be your most talented nine on this roster. Even when he doesn't get a chance to play as a nine, when he's only playing as a winger for Norwich, he's still being very productive goals and assists. He's got 11 goals, two assists. Doesn't matter where he plays. He's got Norwich firmly set sights on a promotion a position they're five points away from that playoff spot uh, this is a player that from that abysmal premier league season to the championship start and in the world cup has really come into his own and, and i like what he's about an all-around player for my money the most talented nine in the u.s men's national team setup all right you said this making this list was tough hard and difficult right both those, tough those are the things difficult. both tough and difficult no easy and difficult okay uh, here we go with your snubs. Yes. No Hadji Wright. No. 10 goals in 16 games. Yes. Hasn't played since January 7th. Okay, hasn't played muscular injuries since January 7th. Jesus Answer Ferreira your... just yes. back in action with FC Dallas. Yeah, probably out of all the nines had the worst World Cup experience. And he's just starting yeah. the season. And by the way, we've been hearing rumblings that he might even play as a nine this season for FC Dallas. Yeah. So. There was a lot of pressure put on him as well. Of course. I'm not the, saying he wasn't. Just, out of the three, he had the least impact. And Jordan Pifuk. Only one league goal in 2023, four overall in the season. Yeah, last 14 appearances, hasn't scored a goal. Uh, Union Berlin doing very well. Jordan Pivak has gone cold, and that's not something we're accustomed to saying. Yeah. Because Jordan Pivak, for everything, whether he was a, um, with the old boys uh, in Switzerland, uh, with the national team, where there was Europa League, whatever the case may be, was scoring goals. Started off scoring goals for Union Berlin. Uh, with Geraldo Becker, they, they, Becker, excuse me, uh, they were talking town in Bundesliga. He's gone cold. So that's why it was easy for me. And th this is why also it's imperative. If you see the three I gave you, Daryl Dica, Ricardo Pepe, and Josh Sargent, it's imperative, Folarin Balagan, yep. that you absolutely do everything in your power to get this player. You're talking about a player right now who is one behind Kylian Mbappe in the Golden Boot race in Ligue 1. A player who has intangibles you just don't normally see in this pool. A player who's coming into so his very fast. own and who I keep hearing so many great things about from our colleagues in the UK, from our colleagues in Europe. This is a player for the future. A U.S. men's national team eligible player that if you can get him to commit, I think is a game changer. And, and listen, the reality is he's 21 years old right now and he's having the best moment of his life. At 21, you think about if he's doing this right now with the likes of Kylian Mbappe, with the likes of Neymar, with the likes of Messi, with the likes of uh, Jonathan David, who for many, many uh, times I've said on this show is the best nine in this region. If mm -hmm. he's doing it with those likes uh, at this age, what can he do when he progresses, when he gets better? So if you're the U.S. men's national team and you have a U.S. men's eligible player like Balogun, you do everything in your power to try out and go get him. All right, real quick. Nations League coming up, right? The roster, yeah. whoever names the roster, right? The interim manager. Is that your three strikers that you're going to call up for Nations League? I, or do you think something might change I believe in the next weeks? Balagan, sans Balagan, because we don't know what the situation yeah. is there. Uh, there could be a Brandon Vasquez in that mix, I would believe. Brandon Vasquez. Yes, I, I think he's a, a different type of player. And I, I saw the Cincinnati game versus Houston. He had a few chances. And, man, the guy's a lot faster than one would seem for, for somebody of that build. So, yeah, he could be somebody in that mix as well. All right, let's keep running it back. More action. League Cup final in Scotland. It's the big one, Rangers Celtic. Celtic won the game 2-1, which means Alistair Johnson from Canada and Cameron Carter-Vickers from the U.S. League Cup champs, John Lee on, uh, Johnson only in his 10th game with the team and already lifting a trophy. Yeah, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who I did not have him pegged 
for the World I Cup. I remember that. To, yeah. be a, to be an impact player, he was very good in his limited time at the World Cup, who's captain Celtic a few times already. Such an impressive victory for them. Picks up a trophy. Anthony Robinson, first assist, playing Wolves. Take a look at the play. This is a beauty. He got an assist for that? This is an assist. That counts as his first assist, uh, assist of the Premier League season. See, this is what I used to tell defenders See, all there, the time. There it is. Let me make there you famous. Is. I used to tell defenders all the time, <laughs> let me make you famous. Give me the ball. I will do the rest. You want something? Give it to me. There it is. It counts. Yeah, the movement, the run, right? Creates a space. All right. Okay. I mean, in my book, that is clearly an assist. Leeds United. They won for the first time in the Premier League since November 5th. Now under Javi Garcia, both Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, 90 minutes, 2-1 against Southampton. Brendan Aronson also in action, of course. Big, massive, huge win for Leeds and their quest to stay in the Premier League. And look at this, Weston had himself a day, one of the most productive players for Leeds. New player who's fit in very well there. That work rate, that intensity. Just waiting to start scoring goals because he's going to have that in him. Great performance by Weston McKinney. We will have uh, more Leeds action on ESPN+. Plus. It will be the fifth round of the FA Cup. And let's book it, Herc. Fulham hosting Leeds United. What'd you got for that game? All right, I'm going to, uh, it's going to be a parlay. parlay. It's parlay. going to be a parlay. Same so day I will have Fulham to advance, so that's money line, mm. and both teams to score. Listen, uh, Fulham's playing at home. They're, they're sixth place in the Premier League. They're a very, very good team. Uh, they do a few things very well. Uh, they're just going to grind out this win. This is a team right now that's been very impressive. And Leeds has, for all intents and purposes, not been that impressive of a team. That's a reality. They've also a team that's not won in the FA Cup. Uh, away from home in the Premier, against the Premier League team since 2013. Um, but they will score their goal. They've actually had eight different goal scorers in the FA Cup this season, or seven different, excuse me, this season. So I do see them getting their goal, but I see Fulham being too much. So I'm going to take the parlay with the Fulham to advance, both teams to score. That is plus 270. I talked to my good friend, uh, Don Vegas. Do you know Don Vegas? Yes. He's an expert. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. And he suggested a three-leg parlay. Oh, it's a tough one. Okay. Uh, both teams to score, as you have as well. I'm taking the over two and a half goals. Cup matches, always tough, a lot of action. And this is, this is, this is the moneymaker. Leeds hitting the post or crossbar, plus 310. <laughs> plus 310. That's the one that I like. So. I see this as a back and forth game. Fulham is right now a better team than Leeds. They will create a lot of chances. Therefore, they will be weak playing in the back line. They will concede. We have both teams scoring. Again, back and forth, over two and a half goals. Fulham is gonna lead two to one, 80th minute, and it's gonna be Leeds <laughs> all over the place. Shot after shot. Header, one of those, because I believe Fulham's going to win what as well. What Rubik's Cube are you putting out here? Leeds will hit the post or the crossbar. The whole thing plays, uh, pays a beautiful plus 310. How do you like it? Well, it's ambitious. <laughs> hey, that's going to get you watching this game on ESPN Plus on Tuesday from beautiful Craving Cottage is the fifth round of the FA Cup Fulham hosting Leeds United Tuesday, 2.45 p.m. Eastern Time, ESPN Plus. Vamos a correrlo otra vez, no? I guess. Run it back. Should be a translation. Raul Jimenez! Let's just compare assists, right? With Anthony Robinson, yeah, I'll take it. Yes, sir. First assist of the season. Actually, same same game. Fulham won, Wolves won, Raul, finally. Wow, that's an assist. That is an Why assist. Why wouldn't that be an assist? That's an assist. Well, now, come Robinson's on. was an assist as well. So good, Take so some good talent to know when to get rid of the ball. Uh, Andres Guardado, oh man. Betty's playing Elche. That's another good assist. Andres Guardado, first assist of the season. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Yes, there it is. That's he a starts, hockey assist. You can't give that. Assist. He's not playing in Major League Soccer. It what counts. What's going on here? For us, that counts as an no, assist. No, no, no. That's not how fantastic, it goes. Fantastic. Fantastic finish by oh, El Panda. Oh, because nobody touched it. By the That's way. What you're exactly. Oh. Now, 
this, this is a big one. Memo Choa, again in the starting 11, again with great saves, but clean sheet. And La Salernitana won against Monza. That's great news for Memo Choa, not only because he started clean sheet and he played great. I love Another this. good performance by Memo. Saltines, La Salernitana and Saltines. Uh, by the way, reports of Memo Choa drawing interest from both Milan teams. So yeah, and we talked to uh, Mauricio Maya, and he didn't deny it. That that helps. Ah, uh, Santi Jimenez, man. Santi Jimenez on fire. He has started the last the last six games for Feyenoord and has scored four times, including this easy tap in, but a goal anyways, and another victory for Feyenoord. You ready to apologize? For what? Your anti-Santi Jimenez. I'm not, I'm not anti-Santi Jimenez. I'm just pro other players, like Henry Martin. He is... And pays to break the record for most goals for a Mexican striker in Liga MX history. So I, I believe that. Uh, Jare Borghetti, how many do you have? I think he has 14. No, no, then it would probably be somebody else. Look at but right through Camilo Vargas's hands. You'd expect a goalkeeper of his caliber to be better there. Too much on it, though. Also, as a scorer, Edson Alvarez El Machin, who played both as a center back and a midfielder in this game. Ajax beating Vitesse. And Edson Alvarez with a nice header, and this is what he had to say after the game. I had uh, many, I had many chances in the in the last couple of games. I didn't score, but finally I get my my first goal this season and feels really good. Uh, as you say, really really important game uh, goal. Sorry, uh, to keep fighting uh, on the on the title. Yeah. For me, it doesn't matter. I can play both positions. But yeah, then it's the the very good tactics of our training. He decided to change me on the midfield because we lose too many second balls in the first half. So that's why I think he moved me there to to control a little bit more the game. And yeah, at the end, uh, the, the plan uh, works. So I feel I'm happy. That's off to Tlanepantla's Beckenbauer. Solido. Very solid. All right. Uh, this is a good moment for some oh, Mexican no players. Memo there? No memo, no party. Santi Jimenez, as we mentioned, on a roll. Edson Alvarez always starts. Chucky Lozano starts the important games for Napoli. He did again in Napoli. I mean, got an vir assist. Vir virtual champs Champions and got League. an assist. Yeah, yeah. Henry Martin, 10 goals so far for America. Who is the Mexican in best current form? Well, this is for you, Mel. Well, you know my answer. It's easy. Chucky Lozano. It's Chucky Lozano? Chucky Lozano. No, it's Henry Martin. Here's why. Okay. Uh, Henry Martin plays for Club America. That's already tough. That's your team. Right? Uh, it's the best team and the most historic team I'm in just, Mexican just, soccer. I mean, that's your team is what I'm throwing out there. He's now the captain of Club America. And the one thing that you know, and I think I know, it's hard to find in Mexican soccer is a consistent goal scorer. Right. That's that, in world football. That's a... Yes. yes, but how many times have we mentioned the one thing that's missing out from the Mexican national team is a consistent goal scorer? Because even when Raul Jimenez was playing at a good level, we kept saying, well, but he's a more rounded player, not only because he scored goals. Henry Martin, all he does is scoring right now at a crazy, crazy rate. This is the come with Janini Tavares. Good Lord, this is a, a, a nice time to remember Janini Tavares. Through nine games, he had 11 goals in Clausura 2018. Henry Martin already at 10. And let's remember, he didn't even start the season for Club America. I think that what he, he has done so far. Game. Well, that's he exactly what I said. Uh, what he has done so far, it is absolutely impressive. I believe Santi Jimenez can do better. I believe Edson Alvarez can do better, and definitely Chucky Lozano can do better. But Ch you don't believe Chucky Lozano has been good better. for the last three weeks. Ooh, I'm fighting. He's been words. good for the last those three are, weeks. Those are fighting words for the producer. Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Uh, let me just say this really quickly about Henry Martin. There, there came a moment where Henry Martin was rumored to go to Chivas. Mm -hmm. Where there was actually going to be. It was not rumored. It was in the a, making. It was in the making. Yeah. It was actually going to happen. And he tells a story about he went home and cried to his mother, to his family, about how he was depressed. He couldn't do it anymore. And how he just wanted to quit soccer. And now he had this kind of coming to Jesus type of moment. See the light. This is what I want to do. I want to be this person. And everything changed for him. He scored 10 goals last season. He scored against Real Madrid. He scored against Man City. He went to World Cup, scored a goal. And now he's got 10 goals. I respect. What Henry Martin is about. I respect 
the work because he's about that work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect the player. What I don't respect is the level. And this is why you have to say it's Santi Jimenez. You look at the level Santi Jimenez is doing at right now, 20 years of age. He was on pace right now to be the goal-scoring champion when he's in Mexico. He leaves to go fight in order. And what does he do? Instead of fighting for a championship, a golden boot in Liga Mekis, he fights for a golden boot, boot Excuse me, in the Eredivisie and Europa League. This is a player scoring goals in limited minutes, okay, in limited cameos in the Europa League, in the Eredivisie, continues to prove his worth at 20 years of age. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that the games are created equal, that it's the same to play for Club America as it is to play for Feyenoord, and the CONCACAF Champions League as it is the Europa League, I don't buy that. And that is where I don't respect the level. Now, Henry Martin, what he has done, to pass off, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Keep it going. But what Santi Jimenez is doing right now, unprecedented. You, you cannot for one second say he is not the most informed player at the moment, and you have to be excited to what the future holds for this 20-year-old. If Diego Coca likes to play, he likes to play 4-3-2, right? Well, he's had different variations. Well, mostly at Atlas, he did well with playing 5-3-2. I believe he's going to play 4-2-3-1. Only one striker, one number nine. Do you honestly believe that he will start right now, Santiago Jimenez, over Henry Martin? Yes, he's more mobile. More mobile? Yes. Do you see how many assists Henry Martin has had so far in the what season? What does that do with mobility? Santi Jimenez is well, what does that do? It has everything to do with mobility. No. It means that he's not only just there to score goals. No. He's right now. Right now. Right Who's, now. Oh, hold on. Hold on. You're confusing mobility. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is the way that Diego Coca plays, if you're in that nine position, you've either got to be a big body like Julio Furch or you've got to have speed like Quinones, who yeah. he's had. Yeah. That is Santi. He's a combination of the mm. two, size and speed. If you're only going to play with one, like you said, that is Santi Jimenez. 5-3-2 is Chucky Lozano and Henry Martin. 4-2-3-1 is... Oh, Mexico's in trouble. Henry Martin. And Mexico will be just fine. Copa del Rey action on ESPN+. And it is none other than El Clásico. Real Madrid hosting Robert Lewandowski-less FC Barcelona on Thursday, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, Noon Pacific on ESPN Plus in both languages, English and Spanish. Parody oh, shots. No. Uh, the best awards were handed earlier today. And Alex Morgan finished second to Putinelas from Spain, who wins the award back to back. But uh, heads off to Alex Morgan, yeah. man. Still playing at a great level. Made the Women's World 11 an all timer. What a player, and still being recognized as one as one of the best. Yeah, 33 years old, coming off a ridiculous season, 15 goals in the NWSL for for the San Diego uh, team, San Diego, uh, right there. But Kelly O'Hara, who who for some reason in the voting showed up as a midfielder, yeah. eight assists last year, uh, ridiculous year, and shows up in voting as a midfielder, doesn't get into the best 11 here, a head scratcher there. You'd have to ask the best and the people at FIFA how they do the voting, but that that to me was a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, well, uh, but again, uh, it's good to see Alex Morgan playing at a great level, being recognized as one of the best in the world. That's it for us. On Thursday, we have a USL special announcement. I already asked what it was, and nobody wanted to tell me. I, I do not know. Do you know? I'm not allowed to say. The producer doesn't know. Herc doesn't know. I don't know. Does Seb know? Tweet us, Seth. We'll find out next Thursday right here on Football America. For Herc, Mauricio, we'll see you next time.